0: begin this morning with a note that in our common life together here at the Chapel of the Cross, our annual campaign is launching today with invitations to reflect on the ways in which our faith lives are formed and tended, encouraged and challenged in this place, work and service that we are willingly participating in, and support through the pooling of resources that allow these doors to be open and in service to all who seek spiritual succor in this place. And for that, our refrain will be, thanks be to God. And so it is not without a little bit of irony that I face the task of speaking with you about the invitation to be a recipient of and an active participant in the grace of God in the wake of hearing a gospel text that might leave some folks feeling a little bit anxious. Let's remember, let's begin by remembering that Jesus taught in parables, which of course means there are deep truths revealed through the descriptions and the actions of the characters in his stories. In parables, some of the learnings are gleaned through the places where we identify ourselves in the story. And the moral or lesson of these stories are meant to provoke. But it's not always clear-cut. And it's not always the same for every person. So let's take this parable in three parts and see what Jesus provokes in us as individuals and us as a community. The opening scene is a study in contrasts. A rich man who is not named and thus only known by his primary characteristic, his wealth. His economic power is indicated by the wearing of purple cloth, a privilege given only to those who were deemed worthy by the Romans. His wealth is further indicated by his ability to feast every day, not just on special occasions, and the safety afforded him by a gated wall that surrounded his personal residence. In contrast, a poor man named Lazarus, whose wretched life of poverty is on display for all the world to see. Not only his hunger for the crumbs of the wealthy man's table, but his ill health and lack of agency or even the will to keep the dogs from licking his wounds. His only home, the street on the outside of a closed gate. One truth we can already glean from this setup, the extreme disparity between the rich and the poor depicted here is a reality that still exists in our world today. Nearly 10 percent of people worldwide live in extreme poverty. In Chapel Hill, that number is about 18 percent of residents that live at or below the poverty line, according to a 2020 census data. In the same way that the rich man knew Lazarus' name, there are names and faces one might come to recognize on Franklin Street. Community members who live in contrast to the health and safety and access to resources that most people here are probably accustomed to. And in the structure of our own lives, there are gates that allow the dissonant realities of poverty and power to live next door to one another. Jesus' parable points to the blatant problem so clear before our eyes that we cannot look away. I wonder, what are the gates, the dividing lines that keep us separated from the neighbors we don't always want to see? How does faith in Christ give us the courage and the will to open our eyes, open our gates, open ourselves to taking up a different approach than one that is curated and comfortable? Part two of the parable. Both men die, and a new study in contrasts occurs only this time in the classic role-reversal element of storytelling. The rich man cries out from Hades, where he is undoubtedly suffering. He cries out to Abraham, who is accompanied by the familiar Lazarus, seeking mercy. Surely some relief can be offered to me. But the ways in which the rich man chose to use the resources available to him in his lifetime And the difficulty that Lazarus had in his daily existence on earth created a chasm so broad that not even a drop of water could pass between the two places. Jesus' parable does not take lightly the willing blindness and self-indulgence of the rich man to the visible suffering that occurred on his very doorstep. And it begs the question of anyone who is listening How are we attuned to the suffering of the world and of our neighbors? How are we responsive, or not, in the work of building our personal and community practices of care for our neighbors in need? As one of many people in this place who has the job of responding to the needs that are presented at our church's doorstep, I can tell you, There is generosity and kindness here. There is commitment to working with community partners such as IFC, Community Empowerment Fund, and Club Nova, where food and housing assistance and social work resources are readily available to provide access to basic needs every day. Organizations whose work we support through various funds and partnerships through our annual giving to this community as well as members of our parish who are actively involved in local and global ministries that strive to meet those needs through financial support, volunteer hours, and local and state-level advocacy for expanding and dispersing resources. Members of our community serve as educators, social workers, healthcare providers, and legal experts, making ethical and moral decisions about the needs that can be met with the resources that are available, both personal contributions and communal gifts of time, talent, and treasure. And I will be the first to admit that none of us does this work perfectly. None of us does it without the feeling of unease, inadequacy at times, unfinishedness. We still live in a world where there is imbalance of poverty and power that is perpetuated by systems larger than any individual and larger than this organization of caring neighbors can manage. But the parable is not just about the big picture. It points to the individual. In the story, the rich man knew Lazarus' name. He saw him every day, and yet chose to ignore the possibility that his own wealth and resources could have had an impact on his neighbor literally at his doorstep. He shunned the power that he had to help serve his neighbor. This story causes us hearers to ask the questions of ourselves. What do I see every day? What can I do with the resources at my disposal to care for the needs that cannot be ignored? With whom do I share this work with, and where do I go for refreshment when the burden is too much to bear on my own? In the third act of the parable, the rich man expresses his desire to send a message to his family members that they might not suffer his same fate. The rich man has learned a lesson, a lesson he would like to pass on to his brothers, a lesson he claims they would receive if given the chance to hear from Lazarus himself what their choices and actions would certainly lead to. But in the same way that Lazarus was ignored in life, Abraham tells the rich man, so will these brothers ignore such a plea in debt? Therefore, they must suffer the fate of their chosen actions if they continue to ignore the prophets and eventually Jesus' own death and resurrection, which he seems to be predicting here. The parable is not a literal explanation of heaven and hell, but it is an invitation to reflect on the ways in which our actions and inactions, with regard to the resources we do have authority over, what we are responsible to steward, impacts the life we inhabit in this world and the company that we may keep in the next. The parable is yet another invitation not only to see the struggles of the world, but to call upon its tears to be part of making a difference in the world that we share, so that we might indeed all share in the grace and mercy of the next. I wonder how different the rich man's experience would have been in greeting Abraham and Lazarus had he made different choices in his life here on Earth. It's an invitation to see the signs, to hear yourself called by name, to participate in whatever way you can in acts of mercy here, now, in community, in your own lives. And to receive the nourishment and the promise of God's grace in our faithful acts of self offering. Amen. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at the Chapel of the Cross. .org There you can find our latest news and events connect with our pastoral care team faith in action ministries and offer a prayer request You can also find us on social media on Instagram at the chapel of the cross and on Facebook and Twitter at COTC Chapel Hill May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world